Hi, I'm Ben Field and welcome to a brand new podcast series where I'll be talking with industry influencers from Hollywood and beyond. In today's episode, I'm talking with producer, TV personality and best-selling author Devon Franklin, whose career has seen him as an executive at Sony and Columbia and has also been involved in hit films such as The Pursuit of Happiness, The Karate Kid and Heaven is for Real, amongst many others. As I've been able to find success and working in Hollywood, that is one of the things I consistently come across. People who are living another life. People who are not walking in the fullness of their calling. People who have decided to subscribe to a life that maybe someone else wanted them to have. We are in a society that wants to microwave success. Uh, We're in a society where people are are changing jobs more frequently than any other time in history Um, because everyone wants it now and everyone wants theirs. And when we are so focused on self, we miss what's standing right in front of us that can unlock the power of our career. That interview in just a few moments. But firstly, can I just quickly say thank you for taking the time to tune in. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and our YouTube channel to make sure that you get the newest releases as they come out. Plus, you can stay up to date with what the Hillsong Film and TV team are up to via our website, hillsong.com forward slash film TV. Or follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Hillsong Film TV. All right, now that's out of the way, let's jump straight in. Thanks, Devon, for joining me. Ah, thank you. I'm uh, sitting here in a very cool office. Um, <laughs> downstairs from here, I can see the Fox Studio lot. Yes. And probably half of Los Angeles, it looks like, <laughs> from this beautiful view. How have things been going since you've been, or since you've launched Franklin Entertainment? Uh, it's been great. It's been great. I'm so excited to be here and have a deal with Fox. It's been uh, just amazing. And so em- they've been so embracing of me and uh, the content I want to create. And so it's been awesome. And this building is actually the building where they shot Die Hard. So right. yeah, Nakatomi Plaza. Wow, yeah, that's incredible. So we're on the 20th floor. You're not expecting to pull any scenes around the office like I that, don't plan on it. I don't <laughs> plan on it, but I'm, I'm glad to know it can handle it if I do. <laughs> awesome. So you're a film producer, husband, preacher, author. How do you juggle it all? I mean, that's a busy life. Yeah, it's a crazy life. You know, I juggle it all because it's, you know, it's like one wheel. So it's the same wheel, it's the same core, just different spokes. And so everything that I do, all the things you just listed, are all united by my overall purpose and overall mission, you know, to inspire and uplift people to create a positive change in their life. So whether it's through writing books, whether it's through producing film, producing television, uh, being on television, uh, you know, doing things with my wife, Ultimately, it's all about how whatever I'm doing will help make the person that's in receipt of that um, better. Right. And do you think that comes with it? Because, I mean, so many people now, I mean, I just had a conversation yesterday uh, with somebody who I was meeting for the first time, and I heard, probably heard the word brand more than a thousand times in the conversations. My brand, this is what I want to do with my brand, this is my, my thing. How important is that when you're coming into a place like this to identify who you want to be perceived as? Or do you think it's a trap and you need to work out what's happening on the inside first? How does it work? Here's the thing. It's like if you're Procter & Gamble, okay, great, you're a brand. And and the brand, based upon what people know of your products, uh, they identify Procter & Gamble with, hey, great products, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that brand has product. The challenge I face when you're a person and then you 
try to elevate to a brand, or let's just say you've elevated to a place where people understand what you do and putting your name on something, by definition, brands it. The challenge is the personal connection. And as a person, God didn't birth a brand. He birthed Devon. So my challenge is to be who I am, continue to come into greater revelation of all he's created me to do, and be authentic in that. So yeah. I know that's a long answer to your question, but I never no, it's think great. in terms of brand. Well, I think it's important because that it sounds like you're saying there's an internal compass that yeah. allows you to decide what you choose to do yes. and what you place that in because yes. it, it is in line with what you've been called yes. to do. Because sometimes, you know, the, the challenge in um, thinking in terms of a quote-unquote brand is that it can be devoid of a personal conviction. Because let's just say, oh, well, this will be good for the brand. Oh, so I'm going to do it. Right. But should you do it? Yeah. Is it what you're really called to do? It may be what the brand, make the brand look good, but that doesn't mean it's what you're supposed to do. Right. So when the brand becomes something that's independent of the person, it becomes much more difficult to manage. That's incredible. Your book, Produced by Faith, had a major impact on me. Wow, you know, when it was man. released, it was just one of those things that it was the right timing. Uh, you know, I picked that up. For people that haven't read it, just give me an overview of what that book was about for you. Yeah, Produced by Faith was the first book I wrote. I wrote it while I was an executive at Columbia Pictures. And it was all about how you could enjoy real success without losing your true self. And I used the movie business in getting a movie made from every step of development into every step of production. I use that as a metaphor for the reader to look at their life as a movie Mm. and identify what stage they were in, which would then help them get to the next stage of their life and ultimately get the movie of their life made. And that book, you know, has taken me all around the world and it was such a a labor of love. And, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, (laughs) but, um, you know, talking about answering the, the other question, just I spoke authentically yeah, and I spoke organically. I did yeah. not think like, oh, this is, I want to build the Devon Franklin brand, so let me do this book. It wasn't yeah. that at all. I just wanted to figure out who I'm supposed yeah. to be. I had some things to say and it was blessed, It was a blessing to have the opportunity to write a book, to be able to put those things in the book and hopefully reach some people. And yeah. I'm so grateful that it, it reached you the way it did. Well, I think you did. I've, everything you say, it's definitely the way that it was received. And I think, um, you know, for the people listening that, you know, need that, that need to kind of be inspired by that, I definitely recommend them to, to pick that one up. So why are you so passionate about helping people understand their purpose and potential? Because it seems that every time I see a, a post or the everything around that book, you're a big champion in believing in others to reach their full potential. Why is that? Because, you know, growing up, I grew up in the Bay Area. I'm the middle child of three boys. And, you know, I grew up in the church. And I don't know that that was always emphasized. And so because it wasn't always emphasized to me growing up, and because, you know, being a middle child, uh, any middle children listening, you know, you know, we got our support group, right? Because it's not easy for us middle children. Um, but because as a child that wasn't necessarily enforced, the idea of pursuing, you know, your full passion, uh, there were there was a lot of angst in my in my upbringing, a lot of angst in my adolescence. And so as I got older, that was the thing that was probably the greatest area of pain. And from that became uh, you know, my passion. And as I've been able to find success and working in Hollywood for uh, 20 years and having been exposed to so many different things, that is one of the things I consistently come across are people who are living another life 
people who are not walking in the fullness of their calling, people who have decided to subscribe to a life that maybe someone else wanted them to have. Right. Could have been their pastor, could have been their parent. Uh, it could have been, this is the life that looks good, or this is the life that pays. Uh, and as a result, um, because they may want the paycheck or they want the profile, they sometimes exchange their purpose for those things. Mm. And when I have come across those people, uh, you know, their pain of not really living their calling is just what motivates me to help. And I, and I just feel that the world will be better. I actually feel that we will live in a more peaceful world when people begin to do what they were created to do. Yeah. Because you you really then, when you're living in your purpose and your peace and you're really operating your calling, you don't really have the desire to put down someone else. You don't even have the time to really look at someone else and say, oh, why are you doing that? It doesn't, you know, because right. like you're so focused and consumed yeah. with your own purpose and what God has called you to do yeah. that it alleviates so much of the tension that we're experiencing, uh, you know, around the world. So I do believe that uh, it, people would be better off if they did it. And that's one of the reasons why I am passionate about this message is because I didn't necessarily have that growing up. Yeah. So I want to help provide that for as many people as I can. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, that passion continues in a recent book, and I'm holding it in my hands now, The Hollywood Commandments. Yes. And I want to chat a little bit about this because this is exciting. Yes. And I love the front cover. Look at that. Look at the man on there. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, there's going to be a link, obviously, on this website where you can go to and uh, order this yourself. But you go to another level of insight and understanding of what it means to find you know, success, and you've outlined this in this title, "The Hollywood Commandments." Yeah, this is this is um, you know kind of like produced by faith on steroids, I guess you could say, <laughs> uh, or part two in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. I'll tell you a little anecdote um, in kind of the genesis of the book, and just show you how God works. So, about um, a year and a half ago, almost almost two years ago, um, I was in my office, and an article came out about me, uh, I had agreed to participate in an interview. And the way that it was pitched to me was that, you know, be an interview about what I'm doing and the, my business and, you know, being a, you know, a faith-based producer right. and that kind of thing. And I was like, cool, this sounds like a totally positive thing to do, great. So long story short, going through the interview, it was fine. And then the writer, after the interview was done, called me. Had They had interviewed someone else to combat something that I had said. Uh, and then they called me about it before it went in the interview. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't realize this was that kind of interview. And so, you know, the call didn't go very well. And they ended up uh, publishing the article. And the title of it was The Hottest Christian in Hollywood. And I did not like that. I said, well, what does that even mean? Right. The hottest Christian in Hollywood. And anyway, they went in to write the article and they included... Um, the difficult conversation that we had had, and that was kind of like how the article ended. Mm -hmm. So I was not happy about it, and, and I called them about it, I told them about it. Long story short, um, Harper One, which is a division of Harper Collins, uh, they are based in the Bay Area. And so one of the lead editors there read the article and called me and said, hey, you know, um, we didn't know about you, but, you know, we see we're looking at your work, and we read the article, and would you be interested in doing another book? And I was like, uh, what, another book? I don't, I don't. <laughs> and this is before my second book, The Weight, came out, which right. I wrote with my wife, Megan. And so I said, I don't know, let me think about it. And so over you know, the course of months, I began to think about it and think about it. And ultimately, you know, as I thought about it, 
I discovered that I did have something new to say. And what I had new to say was that when I looked at the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I looked at the Hebrew boys and I looked at, okay, well, how were they able to find success? And as I began to, to dissect, you know, Daniel chapter one and, and chapter three, especially, I began to realize, wow, they were able to decode Babylon, the secular environment. And as they decoded it, understood the rules and the laws of their secular environment and applied their spirituality to accentuate and play by those rules, mm -hmm. they became more successful. And not only did they become successful, but they ultimately became in position, they gained an influence, they gained in prominence, and never once did you hear God call them out of Babylon or speak against the fact that they were in Babylon. Mm. So I said, that's fascinating. Here they are serving God in the most secular environment on the planet at that time. And God's not taking them out. As a matter of fact, every time they honor him, he takes them higher and deeper mm. in the most secular environment. That made me think of my life in Hollywood. Mm. I said, I've been in Hollywood for 20 years. I've worked on all kinds of movies. I know all kinds of people. And the more I've honored God, the higher he's taken me and the deeper he's taken me into Hollywood. Mm. And I said, that's the book. I want to write a book about how you can still be spiritual, hold on to your faith, but how you can find secular success, how you can be in any industry and become the top of that industry by applying your spirituality and your spiritual teachings with practical secular strategy. Mm -hmm. And so I used all everything I've learned in Hollywood over the past 20 years, I boil it down into 10 commandments and that's how the Hollywood commandments was born. No, oh, it's gonna be so helpful for so many. Um, can we just go through and unpack a few of these sure, chapter yeah, headings? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so your prayers alone aren't enough. Tell me a little <laughs> bit about this. Yes, that's commandment number one. Uh, this is a, you know, a commandment that's close to my heart because too often I think the people pray about stuff, but they don't do it. Right. And I don't believe that God does things for us that he wants us to do for ourselves. So if I'm thirsty and there's a water bottle right next door <laughs> or right here on the table, yeah. and, I, and I say, you know, God, please bring me the water, but I never reach out to grab it. Right. Whose problem is that? Yeah. That's how we operate with our purpose, mm. is we pray about things, but we don't get up and prepare for what we prayed for. So this commandment is all about the value of prayer and the value of preparation. And preparation is an act of faith. Anything that we pray for, we have to begin to position our lives to receive. And part of that preparation is committing to the process. I believe that God called me to Hollywood back when I was a kid, and I didn't really get a chance to pursue Hollywood until I went to college at 18 years old. I went mm -hmm. to the University of Southern California here in LA. And at 18 years old, I believe that God had promised that he was gonna deliver a production company, my own production company. And every day, for 18 years, I had to show up and prepare for what I was praying for. I was praying for the production company every wow. day for 18 years. That's 157,000 hours. It's over 6,500 days. You couldn't even see it at that point. That couldn't was, see wasn't it. even in existence. Didn't know how it was gonna happen. But every day I would show up getting ready for when it would happen. And 18 years later, Finally, I was able to get the production company after the success of Heaven is For Real that opened up the door for me to finally have my own company. But it wasn't just praying. It was every day, believing, working for it, preparing my mind, learning the industry, learning the craft, learning how to deal with people, learning how to handle difficult situations, mm -hmm. learning how to become a better filmmaker. 
it was filled with tremendous preparation. So I wanted to put a commandment out there to really challenge people to not just pray about something, but to do something. Yeah, it's awesome. Commandment number two, you are the talent. Yes, this is, uh, you know, this is very, this is one of my other favorite uh, commandments, you know, because too often we don't think of ourselves as talent. In Hollywood, talent runs everything. Talent is king. Talent Mm -hmm. is queen. Uh, And in Hollywood, either you are the talent or you service the talent. And you can still be talent while you service talent. But too often, we don't believe that we're the talent. We don't believe that we have what it takes to make it. So we outsource what is good in us and focus on somebody else. And we say, oh, I wish I could be like them. Or, oh, they really have it. So let me not get up every day feeling excited about who I was created to be. You know, oh, you know, I'll never happen. It'll never work. No, you're the talent. Mm -hmm. You're great. God put incredible things in you. Mm -hmm. He put dreams in you. He put talent, gifts in you. You have to believe that you're the talent. Whoever your favorite movie star is, you have to believe I have as much talent as that person. I am entitled to the best the world has to offer offer like that person. So you are the talent is really about taking on a mentality of confidence, Mm. of power, of authority, and a belief that the person that looks back at you in the mirror deserves the very best that this life has to offer. Yeah. Third one, oh gosh, I'm receiving that already. I just felt a little chill then. (laughs) Amen. Uh, You have to carry a crown before you can wear one. Yes, hallelujah. I love this one. Um, This this was inspired, you know, by my experience, but also the story of David. When you look at David, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, he was anointed to be king. And right there in the middle of, of chapter 16, after he's anointed to be king, you cut to Saul in the kingdom and he is having nightmares. And someone in his court suggests, oh, well, why don't we get David to play the harp? Because he's a mighty warrior, he's brave, he's, he's handsome, and he's very talented and he could play the harp for you, which would help you alleviate uh, the negative feeling you're having. He said, great. When they went to go find David, where was he? back with the sheep. And then they brought him into the palace and there he was. Not only did Saul love him to play the harp, but he became an armor bearer. So there you have the next to be king serving in the court of the current king. Before David could be qualified to sit on the throne and wear his own crown, he still had to learn from Saul and help Saul carry his. This is the one commandment that I think will transform people's lives yeah. and careers in this very moment. Mm-hmm. Because we are in a society that wants to microwave success, Yes, especially with the younger millennial generation. Uh, we're in a society where people are, are changing jobs more frequently than in any other time in history. Yeah, um, Because everyone wants it now and everyone wants theirs. We live in the selfie generation. And when we are so focused on self, we miss what's standing right in front of us that can unlock the power of our career, which is service. Service is the key Mm -hmm. to success and success acceleration. When you serve somebody, one, they give you three things that are vitally important if you desire to be successful. They give you opportunity, they give you information and experience. Even if you're working for somebody that you don't like, Your feelings are irrelevant Mm. to the opportunity that's being presented because too often we're in a job, we don't like our boss, so we justify not showing up on time, justify leaving early, we justify not giving 100%. And as a result, we never maximize what that opportunity is presenting us. Mm. 
If I have opportunity, information, and experience, I'll get money. I'll get promotion. And service is the optimal way to receive those things. And no matter who you are, no matter what level, you always have someone to serve. Even the head of, you know, even Jeff Bezos, you know, of Amazon, who's he in service to? Not only shareholders, customers. Yeah. But the moment somebody believes they are no longer in service, you can count the days between that moment and when they will no longer succeed. Yeah. Because we all are in service. So if we become better at serving, we will become better at succeeding. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, the next commandment, you have to know the rules to play the game. Yeah, you have to know the rules to play the game. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, uh, Sounds you know, so cool when you say it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to be flippant, you know, because I know uh, every, there are professions out there that are very serious, and so they're not games, so I understand that. Yeah. But I use it as a metaphor to help understand politics. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know politics, you're, it's going to be hard for you to succeed long term. Yeah. And the rules of any industry are there. And in order to succeed, you have to know what those rules are. But before you can even play a game, play your industry by learning the rules, you have to know what a win is for you. Right. You got to define winning. And so this commandment is all about defining what the win is for you and how you can use the rules in your industry to achieve that win. That's awesome. Um, your gut is hiding God. Tell me about this commandment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is all about the value and the, really the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, your gut is hiding God. Sometimes God speaks in a whisper. Uh, sometimes God speaks directly to our spirit. And we feel within us we're supposed to do something that defies logic, that defies our bank account, that defies our educational experience, but it doesn't go away. And what I talk about in this commandment is the value of listening to what you hear and going for that. Mm. Because there are certain things God speaks in our spirit that he won't tell anybody else. It's a secret between us and him. Mm. But when we outsource what God is trying to tell us to do, to other people who have not heard it, many times they discourage it yeah, and say, no, no, you can't do that. Don't right. do that. And then we say, you're right. And we begin to turn down the whisper in our spirit wow. from God. So this commandment is all about listening and understanding that God will hide himself in your gut, in your instinct, in your intuition. So it's about learning to listen to that along with prayer in order to get real-time direction on what you're supposed to do right now. Oh, I love this one. You get what you negotiate, not what you're worth. <laughs> yes. That is perfect for this town, yes. right? It's, oh, man, it's fantastic. I mean, it's perfect for this town, but it's perfect for life. Yeah. Here's what I believe. I do believe that too often we make an assumption that if we're good people, that if we do good work, right. that we will receive value. doesn't always work that way. Yeah. Uh, we, have, we have to also articulate that value and we also have to campaign for that value mm. and we have to negotiate for that value. Mm. Uh, there are plenty of people who are good negotiators who have gotten far more than they're worth <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because they know how to negotiate. And there are so many people that are worth a whole lot more than they currently are compensated yeah. because they haven't learned the value of negotiation. Wow. And this is broader than just a career sense. Yeah, In a personal sense, Sometimes we don't have the life that we want because we are just settling for what life is bringing to us mm. instead of negotiating something different. So for example, you know, we have friendships and there may be a certain dynamic in a friendship where the person may feel, for example, oh, well, you're doing better in your career. So every time we go out, I don't pull out my car. 
And because you feel bad for your friend, you say, you know what, I'll pay for them. You know, they're struggling. And next thing you know, every time you hang out, there's an unspoken expectation. You're supposed to pay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, unless you renegotiate that, you're not going to get the value of what you're worth. Mm. You're going to be subject to what is already in place. Yeah. So this commandment is all about the power of negotiation, yeah. how to define what compensation looks like, because compensation is more than money, and utilizing these tips and tools in order to reorient your life for success. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, the next commandment here, you must master the walk of fame. Yes, uh, I love this one. Uh, you know, no, when you become um, known for what you do, you are famous. So fame is relative. So if you walk down the halls of your office and people know you, you are famous to a degree. And as a result, you have to monitor it because with success comes notoriety. With notoriety comes the temptation to feed the ego. Mm. What I talk about in this commandment is that we were created to give praise, not receive it. So Whenever we receive praise based upon our goodness and our greatness and our excellence, great, okay, cool, I receive that praise, but I give it right back to God. Mm. I receive that praise, I go and encourage somebody else. I don't eat praise because if I do, I will feed my ego. Mm -hmm. And the ego will what? Edge God out. Mm -hmm. So this chapter is all about how to, how to handle notoriety, how to handle fame, how to not let it go to your head, and how to have a healthy point of view on handling what is a byproduct of success. Right. If you are successful, people are gonna know you. And the more successful you are, the greater people are gonna recognize you and want you for a variety of things. Mm. So the idea of understanding how to handle that, how to navigate that, I believe can be life-changing. Mm. Because the enemy sometimes likes to work through people's praise yeah. as a way to get us away from God, mm. away from who we really are, and away from what we're supposed to do. Mm. So I wanted to just articulate how to handle fame so that as you come into greater measures, it won't consume you, but you'll have the, t the tools and the tips on how to handle it. Oh man, that's so good. Um, last couple ones here, your difference is your destiny. Yeah, this is one of my favorite, man. Uh, uh, you know, your difference is your destiny. Uh, this is one of the commandments that I live by. Uh, you know, I am not complete. I don't completely fit in the faith world, you know, because I'm a little, for some people in the faith community, I'm too <laughs> secular. And for some people in the secular world, I'm, I'm too I'm, I'm too spiritual. Yeah. So I'm, I'm one of those oxymorons. I'm one of those square pegs. Right. And there's a lot of square pegs out there. Yeah. But now the, the challenge for a square peg is to want to sand down the edges of our difference to become the round peg that can right. fit in somebody else's hole. And when I have been tempted and actually done this, I have found that I have outsourced my own distinctiveness just to fit into someone's limited point of view of who I am, just to be accepted by them in a moment. Yeah. But the cost to me was who I really was. Wow. And so difference, your difference is your destiny is all about owning your difference. Don't sand down the edges, become sharper because that's what's gonna help you cut through in this life. Hmm. God does not need you or I to become a copy of anyone else. We were created the exact way he needs us to be. Own it, embrace it, unleash the power of our distinctiveness mm. because that will lead us to our destiny. And that's powerful because in today's generation, that is the narrative out there in the world, which is fit the mold. Oh right? man, no, no. The thing about the mold is, you know, smart enough, you say, okay, let me understand what the mold is in whatever right. industry I'm called to be. 
then once I understand it, I know what I, I can then break it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so no, I'm not going to fit into the mold of what you want me to be, but I will be smart enough to understand what is required of the job. Yeah. And that that's one of the things I've done, you know, being in Hollywood. It's like, okay, I understand the job. Now let me tailor it to what makes me distinctive. Mm. And quick anecdote, what gave me the motivation for this commandment was a memory I had when I was in Beijing working on The Karate Kid with Will Smith and Jaden and uh, his wife Jada and, and his uh, daughter Willow. We're there shooting a scene and in between scenes, there they are having fun, the Smith family. Right. And as I'm watching them, uh, you know, God reveals a hard truth. He basically reveals to me, this movie, The Karate Kid, is born out of their distinctiveness. You are servicing their distinctiveness, but it's not yours. What are you gonna do with the distinctiveness I gave you? Because so often, because again, going back to the idea of you're the talent, when we are around people that the world has said, you're talent, there's a temptation to uh, think that we are getting distinctiveness just by being in proximity to their distinctiveness. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm down with this person. I'm rolling with that person. I'm traveling with this person. I work for this person. So we begin to trick ourselves into thinking that that person's distinctiveness is our distinctiveness. Right. It's not true. <laughs> yeah. We're servicing their distinctiveness. Yeah. So God challenged me to say, what are you going to do with the distinctiveness I gave you? And honestly, that was the seed that birth produced by wow. faith. Because I said, you know what? Let me find out what I'm supposed to do in this life. I still got to serve. I still have to put in my time. But while I'm doing that, let me start trying out what makes me distinctive and produced by faith was born out of that. Wow. Um, the ninth chapter or the ninth commandment in this one says your amnesia is an asset. Yes, yes, yes. Your amnesia and asset, which basically means that, you know, you, we got to become professional forgetters. Right. <laughs> we got to have, you know, short memories right. because too often we, we allow a past incident uh, get us caught up, regretful, guilty. And when we have amnesia, it allows us to recover and move on quickly. Yeah. Hollywood is a business that has more amnesia than any other oh, business. Yeah. Why? Because there are movies that are released every weekend. There are television shows that debut every week. Mm. They don't work. Do these networks go out of business? No. They say, oh, well, that didn't work. Let's find the next thing that does work. Right. Let's spend a million dollars on that. And that's how the business remains successful yeah. is that it doesn't wallow over a past experience that may not have worked out to what they wanted. Yeah. They move on quickly. And I believe that if we would move on faster in our life and say, well, that relationship didn't work. Okay, cool. Let me move on. That opportunity didn't work the way I wanted it, but here's what I learned from it. Let me take that and move on. It actually would help us become more successful because yeah. some of our success is hindered because mentally we are still back years ago in something that didn't work the way we wanted it, and we're still bearing the pain as a result. That's awesome. And in this book, obviously, there's so many helpful ways to be able to navigate that because that is a hard part of being human is not yes. living in the past. That's right. right. So fantastic. Last one, the the 10th chapter and commandment, your world is smaller than you think. Yes, yes. I, I wrote this commandment because sometimes we think there's a big distance between where we are and what we are called to do. And I wanted to write this the commandment to encourage people, mm. to remind them that we, we live in a world much smaller than we think, especially when we look at it spiritually. Uh, when I look at my career and you know all the people I've come across, whether it's you know Will Smith to Tyler Perry, uh, to Jennifer Garner, uh, people that I've wanted to be mentored by or learn, they have come to me. Right. Why? Because I've remained consistent and committed to my purpose. And so there are people that I thought years ago, oh, it would be great one day. Yeah. You know, one day, it'd be great to meet Oprah. 
And just by being obedient and doing what God called me to do, guess what? I get the call. Oh, Oprah wants to interview you on Super Soul Sunday because she read Produced by Faith. <laughs> I didn't have to make the call. Yeah. I didn't have to go for it. Yeah. So there, so at the time I thought, oh, me and Oprah, that's a world yeah. apart. There's not six degrees of separation yeah. when it comes to things of God, zero degrees. Yeah. Because in a moment he can bring somebody into your yeah. life that has the capacity to bless you. And on a personal front, that would that I'm I'm assuming that moment, say in this example with Oprah, would have been more fulfilling the way that it outrolled naturally than you being ambitious Completely. to say that I Completely. need to get that. Yeah. Completely. But again, going back to the talent, like you're the talent. No, God's like, no, you're the talent too. Yeah. And you're here because I have something for you to say. So don't be shy about that. Mm. Own the moment and own the time. And so your world is smaller than you think. It's all about realizing that what you're going for is closer than you think. Yeah. It's in your grasp. But one thing I put in there as a beware, because the world is smaller than we think, you have to be careful about burning bridges mm. because you never know when you need to cross them again. Don't think and make the wrong assumption. Oh, I don't need this person. So as a result, I'll justify how I treat them. Yeah. Or I'm so frustrated with this job and I'm quitting. I don't care about how I leave. Don't do that. Mm. Even if you're justified in leaving, leave in peace, leave in, in, in happiness because you never know how that person who you just left will show up later in your story. And there are people, I'm telling you, that they thought they didn't need someone, they handled it badly, next thing you know, the person that they need the job from is sitting right in front of yeah. them that they treated poorly years ago. Yeah. So I put that anecdote as a cautionary tale in the commandment, You're smaller, the world is smaller than you think, just to make sure that we're always operating in kindness, yeah. even when we're justified to make a move. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, the book is uh, The Hollywood Commandments, and you can go online. We'll put the link up here so you can download that and support that. But unbelievable. Well Thank done. You. So much hard work went into this, yes. and so many listeners right now uh, are going to be blessed by that. Um, last thing, Devon, before we finish up, you know, when it's all said and done, what do you want to be known for here? What do you want people to remember you by? You know, I want people to remember me uh, by my faith. I want people to, you know, say, wow, uh, he was serious and sincere uh, about what he believed in most, you know, which was God, God's power, uh, Jesus. I, I, that would be the highest testament to me. Um, I don't really care if they remember a movie. They may not remember every, you know, sentence in the book. But when they think of me, I want them to think, wow, man, that dude was committed to his faith. And as a result, the world was a better place. Devon, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, B. I appreciate it as well. Thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes or our YouTube channel to make sure you get all the latest episodes as soon as they're out. And if you have time, we'd love to hear from you. Write to us in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time on the Hillsong Film and TV podcast. Until then, bye for now.